I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome along to the first La Liga Lowdown Match Day recap of 2020. As always, we're rebroadcast on Sirius XMFC 157 and I'm your host, Jim McTeer. Match Day 19 is in the books and that means we're at the halfway stage of the 38-game La Liga season. At the top, it's as tight as can be with Barcelona on 40 points and Real Madrid on 40 points. That's because Real Madrid defeated Atafi 3-0 this weekend while Barcelona surrendered their two-point advantage by drawing 2-2 in their local derby with Espanyol. That was the excited commentary as Chinese striker Wu Lei scored an 88th minute equaliser against Barcelona. David Lopez had given Espanyol an early lead, but Luis Suarez and Arturo Vidal scored goals to turn it around. However, a red card for Frankie de Jong opened the door for Espanyol and they took their opportunity late on through their Chinese striker. We've got Barcelona-based Roman de Arquer to talk about this game and let's start by talking about Espanyol. Most of the focus will be on Barcelona, but the truth is that this Espanyol side played much better football than in recent weeks. Definitely Espanyol had a very good performance, taking into account they were playing against the league leaders Barcelona, um, getting a 2-2 result against them at home where they've been playing very badly is, is a very positive outcome for Espanyol. And I think the focus here was on seeing whether the team was emotionally prepared for this match, taking into account that really tough blow against Leganes right before Christmas. But they proved to themselves and to the fans that they're willing to fight and they're willing to stay in Primera División. What exactly did new coach Abelardo change and do you think he'll stick with these changes in the coming weeks? Well, I wouldn't really take this game as an example uh, because as we know, when a team plays a, a bigger side such as Barcelona, Madrid, uh, Atletico, etc., they tend to make slight uh, changes, uh, maybe more defensive because they know they're, they're attacking prowess and they're very dangerous. So in this sense, I do think Abelardo uh, made some tweaks which we might not see in other games. But um, it has to be said, he'll probably stick to a similar formation with four defenders at the back, no more 3-5-2 like Machin had, and four midfielders and then two um, strikers. You spoke to some Espanyol fans at the stadium at this game. What is their mood right now? They're still bottom of the table, but do they think they can stay up? Yeah, I was in the surroundings of the RCD Stadium talking to the fans, uh, preparing a video for La Liga Leuda, which our followers can see on our Twitter account. And I was really surprised with the mood. It was way more positive than I had expected. 
taking into account that uh, very harsh defeat against Leganes, which kind of put them in a very, very complicated situation. But at the same time, I can understand they're Espanol fans, so they have to support their team. And there's still 19 games to go, so there's hope. And the fans definitely show that they believe in their side. For Barcelona, this was a disappointing performance. Some people are blaming the fact that certain players were given extended Christmas holidays, but surely that wasn't the reason for the draw. Absolutely not. I mean, the Christmas thing and the vacations is just an excuse, you know. I mean, the players are just playing badly and that's it. They were playing uh, at this level before Christmas, so I think it has nothing to do with the holidays. As we talked before, um, away from home, Barcelona have been very, very bad and it proved once again that they're incapable of dominating these games away from the Camp Nou. They had a few good minutes where they made that comeback, but at the beginning they came out really lazy or lost for some reason and it's something we've been seeing in so many games and it feels weird that Valverde is incapable of solving this problem, taking into account it's a common thing. Uh, thing. Others are blaming Frankie de Jong and his red card for the draw. Even Ernesto Valverde said in his post-match press conference that the red card hurt Barcelona. Is it fair to pin so much blame on de Jong for this result? It makes no sense to blame the kid for that. I mean, these things happen in a game. You can get sent off and it's uh, something completely normal. Also, the fact that the, the team was winning 2-1 when he got sent off and there were only about 10 minutes where you just had to hold on a bit, have possession, defense uh, stronger. And also, Valverde made a really weird decision when he brought out Griezmann, who is one of the attackers who provides more in defense. He should have taken out maybe Suarez or uh, Messi, but apparently he doesn't have what it takes to do that. And probably that was a bigger mistake than Frankie de Jong's um, sending off. But of course, he has nothing to do with the defeat, in my opinion. Finally, do you think Barcelona will be active in the transfer market as they try to solve some of their issues? I honestly don't think there will be much movement from Barcelona in this winter market. Um, basically, we got rid of Alenia because he wasn't getting any minutes. And we know that Balverde isn't the kind of guy who likes to rotate a lot many players. He usually sticks to the same uh, pack of players. So I don't see any changes. Also, in the striking striker position, we have now Ansu Fati, which is proving uh, to be a very useful player. And so is Carlos Perez. Whereas um, the position which I thought maybe we needed a few um, reinforcements a few months back. But at the moment, I don't see anything happening except maybe Arturo Vidal leaving. But taking into account he's being one of the best players lately, I doubt he'll leave. Thank you, Roman, for that. We'll have to just wait and see what happens over the next month or so in the transfer market. And then we'll see if it has any bearing on the title race. Let's stick with the title race now by discussing Real Madrid and their 3-0 victory over Hitafi with a Rafael Varane header slash own goal from Hitafi keeper David Soria. Another Rafael Varane header that was definitely his. And then a late Luka Modric goal on the counter-attack. We do so with managing Madrid's Emily Wilson. So Emily, how impressive a victory was this, considering how tough Hitafi are to play against? This win was a good one. Uh, definitely a team effort from Real Madrid. They've had three draws in the past three games prior to this one with only one goal scored. So coming into it and into 2020, really, this was going to be a crucial game that needed a victory. So yes, it's very impressive to make that turnaround. But Hitafe aren't a low-level club either, so they would always be a difficult side. However, Real Madrid knew exactly what they were coming into and were able to make the most of it. 
Possession really was almost split 50-50, though the host showed a bit more drive to win the ball and move forward, especially in the first half. So really, what would have been the turning point is that first goal, the error from Soria, which really was a huge benefit for Real, because without it, I'm not sure that they would have been able to take the game to the next level and extend the scoreline to 3-0. That's just a testament of momentum. So they really needed that own goal to take the game to the next level but regards of just being an impressive match the team would have been coming into this one knowing exactly what they needed to do especially if they wanted to continue fighting for the La Liga title against Barcelona and they did exactly what was asked of them. The Tafia are known for being so strong at set pieces so were you surprised that it was actually Real Madrid who were the better side at dead ball situations? Well, a bit yes. The team hasn't been the best from set pieces so far this season, but with such a tough first 45 minutes, it's not surprising that they had to make the most of the set pieces when they had the chance to. Varane obviously got a couple of goals and he played well in defence, but he was playing alongside Edor Militao this time at centre-back, given Sergio Ramos' suspension. How did you think Militao performed? I've been a big fan of Militao, really. He's the all-around defender that the club needs to have, especially with the inevitable departure of Captain Sergio Ramos coming up, which is a lot sooner than most people think. In terms of the match against Hitafe, I think he did really well. Both him and Varane held the back line for Courtois, and the two defenders worked well with each other and um, had lots of communication, which is good to see. Um, there were a few moments where Militao took too long to make the decisions in my opinion especially when he moved toward the corner areas of the pitch which they could have been costly but at the same time he figured out how to eliminate any danger Um, his aerial presence was good and he showed good strength which again are some of his qualities as a player in replacing the captain he really rose to the challenge and I'm sure after this performance he's going to be getting a lot more minutes on the pitch um, which is really really good to see because he's just a solid defender that is great at the back for the club. Thibaut Courtois had to be really alert in the first half of this game. How impressive was he? You know people had a lot to say about Courtois coming in for Navas but really Courtois has shown that he's earned his place um, especially over the last few games. So far this season, Real is tied with Atletico for lowest goals allowed in La Liga. Both of them sit at 12 apiece. Um, So the stops he made in the game are testament to that. There were three big ones that he made in the first half to keep Real's lead and eventually give them another clean sheet. And I think he's having a great run right now and as a player is finally developing that working relationship with the back line that a solid defense system needs to have, which is really, really great to see. Finally, let's talk about the third goal in stoppage time. What does it say about Fede Valverde? that he decided to set up Modric for a goal after a long run rather than shoot himself. Valverde really is just a firecracker on the pitch and as a starter or if he's coming on as a sub he's always playing for his team in every way possible and you can see that exactly when he teed up Modric for that goal and he ran right towards the goal um, with Ed with all the intention of scoring but then played it so perfectly that he had the right pass to Luca without any suspicion um, from his opponents and then the Croatian was just able to put it back in the net and Really, Valverde does what is needed for the team rather than for himself, and it really speaks to his character as a player. Um, And again, you can see that as with this example. 
Thank you Emily, so that's how things stand in the title race in La Liga right now, Barcelona and Real Madrid joint top on 40 points. There's a lot more to discuss in La Liga though, as this was an action packed weekend all the way through. We'll get into the rest of the Matchday 19 fixtures after this short break. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome back to this La Liga Lowdown match day recap. We're at the halfway stage of the season now, so let's look at the three newly promoted sides and how they've gotten on during the first half of the campaign. Osasuna won the second division last year and they're looking comfortable in 12th with 24 points. Most recently drawn 1-1 at Celta Vigo on Sunday night. Chimmy Avila, of course, equalising in the final 10 minutes with his ninth goal of the season. Granada, who were second in the second division last year, and Mallorca, who came up through the playoffs, actually played each other this weekend. It was a 1-0 Granada victory, meaning Granada sit 10th on 27 points, while Mallorca are 18th and in the relegation zone on 15 points. Mallorca-based Alex Fitzpatrick joins us now, and Alex, what went wrong for Mallorca in this latest defeat? What were they missing? I think if you were looking at the, just the statistics in the game, you could probably quite comfortably say that Mallorca dominated, really, and that it was one of their better performances away from home. They had more than 50% of the possession, pushing 60%, and that rarely happens for Mallorca, particularly away from home. They had 17 shots on goal, only five were on target, but that is part of what tells a little bit of a tale of what went wrong for them. So the difference really between the two sides was the creation of good quality chances and the defending in the two boxes, the quality in the 18-yard boxes. And that really is where Mallorca are lacking at the moment. How would you sum up the first half of the season for each of the promoted teams? Well, to sum up Mallorca, it was a promising start to the season, first first 10 games or so, but they've really started to fall away. 
There's an over-reliance on penalties for the goals, not enough coming from open play, and they need more quality in both boxes if they're going to survive to keep the goals out and also to get the ball into the back of the opposition net. Regardless of their position at the halfway stage, the, the teams around them look to have a bit more capacity to improve, so it will require some January investment in order to make the crucial improvements to the starting eleven that Mallorca need to mount a serious attempt at survival. Granada will be pleased with where they sit today. They started the season brilliantly, they topped La Liga, um, and then they since have fallen away at a rate that would have had them a little bit worried if they hadn't amassed so many points in those first 10 games of the season. There still would have been a niggling worry had they lost this weekend against Mallorca, but you could see at the final whistle that they should now have enough points to stay in the league. Obviously, they're not past that magic 40-point mark, but they're further enough away from those teams in the bottom three. And just a few more points, and they'll be able to have their minds on building for next season. Osasuna, uh, almost everybody's second team in La Liga this season, I think. Their enthusiasm, spirit, energy is personified by Chimi Avila. They've been a really welcome addition to La Liga with their fierce El Sadar crowd spurring them on. Of course, they'll be disappointed that their record unbeaten run at home was broken, but that was inevitable really with the step up in opposition for them this season following promotion. Overall, though, they'll be delighted with their first half of the season and they know that just a few more points in the second half of the season will mean that they can start planning as well for 2021 in La Liga. Let's move on to one of the fixtures that looked the most attractive going into this weekend. The match between two attacking teams, Real Sociedad and Villarreal. It finished 2-1 to Villarreal as Manu Trigueros and Santi Gazzola overturned William Jose's opener, Matt Clark, was all over this one. And Matt, did this match live up to its billing? I think it did, yeah. Here we had two sides which love to play football. They're easy on the eye and they always look to take the game to the opponents. And they love to score goals. The amount of talent on the pitch was phenomenal. Martin Erdegaard, Mikel Royatabal, Mikel Marino, Porto, and then Samu Chukwese, Andre Anguisa, and Manuel Trigueros, just plenty of sublime, technically gifted players on show in this game. While it wasn't the mammoth goal fest that some were predicting, it did have plenty of intrigue to keep all the viewers on the edge of their seats. Was it a deserved victory for Villarreal? Probably, yes, they did. And it's worth saying that Real Sociedad didn't. The host started off really well, dominating the ball and controlling the game. When they took a deserved lead midway through the first half, you did begin to wonder how many they might get, with Erdegaard and Porto pivotal again in the build-up to William Chose's opener. But they never really kicked on and didn't do enough to sink the yellow submarine. There was no obvious tactical tweak at the break, but Villarreal came out with more confidence in the second half. After Villarreal got back into the game, they looked a real threat every time the counter-attack was on, with Chukwese in particular making a lot of menacing runs in behind. Then Cazorla came on and scored the winner. How important was his substitution? As we keep saying this season, Santi Cazorla played superbly here. Off the bench again after his injury layoff at the back end of 2019, there was no sign of any rustiness, which would have been understandable for a player of his age. Having just seen the Villarreal equaliser, he came on and added a layer of experience and calmness to proceedings when the game was beginning to open up a little bit. 
He played simple, sensible passes, helping to give Villarreal control and play their way out of defensive situations. He then capped it off with a wonderful goal. They'd worked it well, not forcing a shot, but continuing to probe and pass and move the home defence across the pitch. Santi sensed there was some space at the back post and held his line to perfection. Mario Gaspar chipped the diagonal towards him and he expertly controlled before firing a low driven shot beyond Alex Remiro. Given the tight offside call, there was a lengthy VAR check before the goal was given, but that just allowed them the added bonus of celebrating the goal once again. That Real Sociedad defeat leaves the Basque side in fifth place in the table. Above them in the top four, as well as Barcelona and Real Madrid, are Sevilla in fourth and Atletico Madrid in third. Sevilla dropped further points at home on Friday as they drew 1-1 with Athletic Club. We spoke about the bizarre difference between their home and away form in our previous episode and here's an update for you. It's now 1.67 points per game at home for Sevilla and 2.0 points per game away. Pretty bizarre. Atletico Madrid, meanwhile, well, they are still strong at home. They defeated Levante 2-1 at the Wanda Metropolitano on Saturday, with all the goals coming in a five-minute spell between the 13th and 18th minutes, as Angel Correa, Roger Marti and then Felipe all hit the back of the net. Sam Leverage joins us now, and Sam, that was a very un-Atletico start to the match, wasn't it? Yeah, the first time since early September that there have been three goals in the first half at the Wanda Metropolitano and only the second time this season since that 3-2 win over Ibar in, in September. But it was a strange start for Atletico. I think the main factor really with their shaky defensiveness and they're looking forward so dangerously when they're going into attack was that Koke wasn't there in midfield. I mean, he's been almost ever-present all season for Atletico, and then he wasn't there. On Saturday, it was Hector Herrera who came in alongside Thomas Partey, and I think that did kind of mix things up. They were a little bit unsure in the opening stage, and that allowed Levante in, but at the same time with Angel Correa and Saul on the wings, they, they had plenty of threat. So it was a strange start, and then obviously the three goals in five minutes, it was a crazy few minutes, and not what Simeone would have liked to have seen, to see his team concede just after taking the lead, but... It was good to see Atletico respond because they have had their, their confidence knocked a little bit before the winter break. So to see them bounce back even after that equaliser, it was definitely a morale booster for Atletico. And then they kind of shored themselves up and, and looked a lot more confident, a lot more secure. And they managed to see out the result in the end with a more Atletico performance in the second half, seeing it out without conceding and without scoring. As usual though, Atletico ended up relying on Jan Oblak in the final stages. Is it disappointing that they couldn't kill off this game sooner? The same old story really for Atletico Madrid with Jan Oblak making two brilliant saves late on which kept Atletico Madrid in the game and it was one which they really should have killed off earlier. They had plenty of chances, although at the same time you could say that Levante had plenty of chances to find an equaliser. So maybe it would have been even harsher had Atletico killed the game off, but it was one of those ties that we've seen time and time again at the Wanda Metropolitano this season where you just think if they had that clinical number nine up front then it could have been a different story. I mean we've seen the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona do it this season where they haven't played that well and they still ended up winning by three or four goals. Atletico Madrid are having that same problem. They're not playing that well but when they're not playing well they're picking up draws, they're picking up single goal victories and it could have been the case again on Saturday that they hadn't played too well and they ended up conceding a late equaliser. Luckily they have Jan Oblak who <laughs> helps them out just as much as a prolific number nine would and those two brilliant saves were definitely worth the two points alone so Atletico can definitely be thanking their goalkeeper rather than their strikers but there's definitely work for Simeone to do and he'll be thankful that he's got a good goalkeeper to rely on at the back to give him the time to, to work on that. Atletico Madrid are looking for a goal scorer right now but 
Maybe that player is Angel Correa. Not for me. I think Angel Correa is a great threat for Atletico Madrid and he's a great kind of impact player who can come off the bench or or even start the game and, and bring something different. He's kind of got that pace and the trickery down the flanks that, that can really make an impact and it's something that nobody else in, in the Atletico squad really brings. I mean, you have Jao Felix and Thomas Lamar, but they use their skills differently. They're not quite like Angel Correa to kind of break through the lines. But at the same time... Correa's biggest problem is definitely his consistency. He's on a great run of the form at the moment. He obviously scored against Betis before the winter break and they scored against Levante on Saturday. But the issue is that he'll have two or three games like this where he'll make a real impact. He'll be the man of the match by a million miles. He'll be the best player out on the field. And then for the next three or four games, you won't see him at all. He'll disappear entirely. And I think that's what Atletico need is somebody with that consistency. Now, what about Levante? They once again showed that they can be bright in attack and very vulnerable in defence, didn't they? Yeah, Levante were a mixed bag, really. I mean, we saw before the winter break how they beat Celta Vigo and Borja Mayoral was kind of the player who came on at half-time and changed the game with with a goal and assist, and he had a start, deservedly, against Atletico. But again, they kind of didn't have that that connection and attack when they got into the final third, and his body had a great chance that he could have converted. But they just kind of had that cutting edge that they were missing again, and, and defensively they were looking a little shambolic at times, especially in that five-minute spell where... Atletico kind of just were more organised, especially with Felipe's goal. They were a bit more alert. They had the set-piece routine worked out and Levante were kind of just all stood still and, and watched Atletico play around them almost. So plenty for, for Paco Lopez to, to think about there and kind of the same problems that they've had all season long. I mean, they did have 59% possession at the Wanda Metropolitano, which not too many teams have such a high figure against Atletico Madrid on their own turf. So... They are doing things right, but they just need to cut out the silly mistakes and, and work on their organisation defensively, particularly. On another day, they might have converted another chance or two and, and got the draw. Thank you, Sam. Now, still a few more tasty La Liga games to get stuck into, including the first fixture of 2020. It was a cracker as Real Valladolid hosted Leganes. Lots of goals early on in this one as well. It was the fourth minute when Martin Braithwaite scored the first La Liga goal of 2020 before Enes Unal equalised in the 8th minute and before Rocky Mesa put Leganes on top again in the 13th minute. In the second half, Real Valladolid really pushed for an equaliser and they did get a deserved leveller again through Unal. Both sides had chances to win it in stoppage time but it finished 2-2, a result that leaves Leganes still in the relegation zone but they're looking much better than they were a few weeks ago. Another entertaining game took place at Mestalla on Saturday as Valencia defeated Ibar 1-0. Even though there was only one goal, this was a fascinating one. It really was a game of two halves as well. Valencia were better in the first half and that was reflected on the scoreboard by Maxi Gomez's goal before Ibar were better in the second half and they'll be frustrated that they couldn't get an equaliser. The closest they came was hitting the crossbar. Joaquín que va a lanzar el del puerto. Va a tirar Joaquín. Joaquin came into 2020 with a smile on his face. He was in great form, he'd scored a hat-trick recently in a win over Athletic Club and he was given a contract extension at Real Betis. But his bubble was burst slightly as he missed a penalty during Real Betis' trip to Alaves on Sunday. With Alaves up 1-0 through an Alex Vidal goal, Real Betis won a penalty just before half-time and, as we heard there in the commentary, Fernando Pacheco saved it. It wasn't all bad for Real Betis, so as Emerson equalised for the Andalusian side to make it a 1-1 final score. 
Now, that's all we have time for in this week's Match Day Recap. Remember, there's no La Liga next weekend, as there's Copa del Rey and the Spanish Super Cup, but we'll be back anyway to discuss all of that. For now, thanks to contributors Roman de Arcare, Emily Wilson, Alex Fitzpatrick, Matt Clark and Sam Leverage. I've been your host, Jim McTeer, and I thank you very much for listening.